Hey, welcome back to Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach, and I am hanging out here with Randy Spate. What's up, Randy? I'm doing really good, Zach. Right on. Uh, you want to bring that in a little bit tighter right there on you? I will. Hey, that sounds good. Um, cool, man. Today we are talking about the church. What a shock. Um, but from probably a little bit different perspective than we've ever come at it. A little bit different. I think this is the third podcast we've done on the church. We did one way back at the very beginning, then we did another one at the beginning of March. Yep. But this is actually in response to a question that you've gotten. Yeah. Um, We had one of our listeners uh, reach out and say they had a friend that was curious about what happens... When you get burned by the church. And that is a very good question. That's, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. I think it's one that a lot of people have had the experience of, of at some point in their lives, being burned by the church. And um, I think it's something that people are afraid to talk about, too. Because I don't think I don't think a lot of people know how to go about it. Or how to feel about it, or generally, I find that after it happens, either people get strengthened in their faith and go figure things out, or or they, or they go, the go one eighty. Yeah, I mean, it it just really depends. I think there's a there's a tendency that we all have. Uh, we think Christianity it's supposed to be perfect, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, after you come to Christ, everything's supposed to be fun and games and and laugh, laugh, ha, ha, joy, joy. Right. And all of a sudden, we get hurt by people that we thought were loving us. And uh, it just hurts that much more, I think. <clears throat> yeah. Um, before we dig in too deep, I think... Part of that is because of the lack of transparency in the church. And so when something bad – like if you put up this front that everything's perfect, which a lot of churches do and a lot of people do, um, when something does go bad, it's like out of left field. Nobody yep. saw it coming. You know what I mean? Yep. And I think that is another reason why transparency in the church is so important because you'll see stuff from a mile away if, if everybody's honest. If everybody's honest. But that's, that's, that's the big question, right, isn't it? Right, right. Yeah. And sadly, when people get burned by the church, the majority of the time, it's because people aren't doing what they should be doing. Yeah. yeah. Not always. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But So let's just talk, you know, not name names or anything, but uh, are you aware? Do you have some stories of people who have been burned by the church? Yeah. Do you think it'd be beneficial before we get into that to just say like what we mean by getting burned by the church? Sure, sure. I think that's good. <clears throat> I didn't get into I didn't get any more detail than what I said uh, as far as like what the question was given to us. But as far as you know, when the church burns you, um, I think that can happen from a couple different angles. I think it can happen as a layperson, like as someone in the congregation. Or as somebody on church staff or pastoral team, um, it's got two different sides to it, really. Um, The way I see it is uh, when the church hurts you, 
when when you feel hurt, when you feel betrayed, when you feel let down by the people that love you. And you, you kind of said that, but but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's really what it is. It's it's that you feel failed by the church. I think a lot of times you have expectations. Uh, you think things should operate this way or they're they're going to operate this way. And then when they don't, uh, those unmet expectations are uh, what, what causes some pain, some emotional pain, um, maybe even some spiritual pain. Right. And, and that's into question. And that's not to say that those expectations are always wrong. Sometimes... The church does miss the mark. Yep. Sometimes it's not just your expectations were wrong. Sometimes, no, your expectations were right, and the church just failed to do what's right. I know I've kind of been on both sides of this issue. I've been uh, probably uh, – I've, I've been hurt by the church or by – I wouldn't say I've been hurt by the church. I've been hurt by people in the church. Sure. And uh, then I've also been in leadership position where I am positive that I've uh, uh, hurt other people in the church, sometimes unintentionally and sometimes just because of the way things were, uh, it was intentional on my part. I knew that what I was going to do would cause some people to have some some heartburns. But But it had to be done. But it had to be done. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think I think so. For, taking it from that perspective first, from the it had to be done perspective, um, I think it's really hard for us when we're the ones that get hurt to see it that way. Yeah. Um, it's like when your company downsizes, you know, like <sighs> maybe maybe that means letting you go. But obviously, it was the right move for the company. You know right. what I mean? Right. Um, but it's always hard to see that when you're the one getting fired, you know. I um, and there are times in the church when ministries, very good ministries, ministries that once were uh, important and meaningful and productive, they've lived their life. Culture changes, <laughs> people change, and what used to work some. 10, 20 years ago, even as few as 10 years ago, is no longer working. Uh, the church has limited resources, and you make the decision. Uh, you've got to change. You've, you've right. got to do it differently. Right, 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 right. Um, which, it's no less difficult for the people involved, you know. Um, What's well, painful? Yeah, yeah. I... Um, I guess like my the biggest thing that comes to my mind as far as what I've dealt with with the church, I've had a couple pretty rough experiences with different churches, um, but uh, never 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 from like a staff perspective, but always from like a person in the congregation, and um, the big one for me, I, I grew up in um, a church in my hometown. And it was a pretty big church, and the um, the pastor there had come in, and he, st- he 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 just started changing everything, which is normal. That's okay, um, but it, it like 
on the surface, it seemed really good because more people were coming and everything. But just the heart of everything was all wrong. Like it was, <laughs> we need this new piano, so we dish out eighty grand and we buy the new piano. And then it's oh well, he's the new pastor. Let's uh, let's get him a uh, a brand new truck. And so they bought him like a limited edition Harley Davidson Ford pickup. Wow. That's like a fifty thousand dollar truck. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so they buy him that as soon as he gets there. Um, they're paying between he and his wife like two hundred grand a year. <clears throat> his so, wife was on staff too. Yeah, she was. Okay. And so this family's raking in almost a quarter million dollars a year. You know, like I mean, it, it's it's unreal. You know, and uh, if I botch that number, I I believe it's two hundred. If anybody hears this and knows the story, and it ends up being like a hundred and fifty, I don't know. But it was six figures. It was a lot of money. Um, and whatever. Like it's almost like we were as a fan. Like me and my family were almost like willing to set all that stuff aside. You know, like we were like, no, we'll we'll keep going. And one day he gets up on the stage and he gets out this piece of pottery and he says we need to start making sacrifices around here and he says this is something i made in high school and this means a lot to me this is a piece of pottery i made and i've always been proud of this and today i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna sacrifice this on the altar (laughs) and he breaks this thing up here in front of everybody he says we've got to start sacrificing more and um, my parents were, like, shook up over this. Like, they were so mad because it's like this church is just given dollar after dollar after dollar. Like, we've wow. spent hundreds of thousands of dollars needlessly recently, you know. And um, and now you're up here and you're saying we need to make sacrifices when Jesus was the last sacrifice. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. it, not not a good way of phrasing it, not a good illustration whatsoever. Yeah. And uh, so my dad goes to the elders and he says, hey, like, this is wrong. What's happening right now? You know, like, Jesus was the last sacrifice. We don't get up and sacrifice pottery in front of the church, you know. as like kind a, of strange. Yeah, it's yeah. very odd. And, and the elder, one of the elders looked at him and he said, yeah, I know, but he sure does make us a lot of money. Wow. Wow. And we left. Yeah. And we – like – that that was that that was a deep burn because I mean I went to that church for ten years, like that was the church I grew up in, right? You know, and then to just like that's how we leave, you know, like and, and then years later, I mean, they, it, it got even crazier. But we weren't going there when all that okay. happened. It, it 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 worked itself out, you know. Yeah. God, God took yeah. care of things, but at the same time, that's that's hard. That okay, we mentioned a. Uh, couple of reasons, a couple of uh, how people get burned. You mentioned a lack of transparency. This was not a lack of transparency. Oh, this was like over-transparency for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> right. <laughs> this was more almost, a, I don't want to say necessarily theological, but looks like the church was beginning to change some values oh, yeah. that it held. The heart and, was in the wrong uh, place. The heart was in the wrong place. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of that the love of money, <laughs> yeah. Sort of yeah, yeah. root of all evil kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned a lack of transparency. Um, there may be people that uh, experience that as well. 
what what uh, what you just talked about uh, kind of a change in mission or or values uh, uh, the church taking a turn especially uh, with the change of church leadership um, I think it's a statistic that when a church uh, changes a pastor typically they'll lose lose about 25 percent of their membership sure so uh, that is kind of to be expected because as much as we don't want to follow personalities when an individual leaves right sometimes that is the time that people start thinking about well maybe i should leave too maybe i should uh, look somewhere else you mentioned though a lack of transparency what would let's let's dive into that a little bit more what what does transparency good genuine transparency what should that look like in a church well i think the first thing is to to not put on a show it's not a show it's not pretending that everything here is perfect if you ever go to a church and everything's perfect run (laughs) you need to get out immediately um that's a cult no i'm just kidding um I guess I'm not saying like a pastor needs to get up from the pulpit and like just lay out their list of the previous week's sins for the entire congregation. That's not what I'm saying. Right, right. What I am saying is you need to be invested enough in other people within your congregation and know their hearts and know what's going on in their lives. And then you be real with them that they know what's going on in your life that if there is something wrong – Somebody sees it. Somebody knows it's coming. Somebody knows what's bubbling underneath. And they would be willing to say something about it. Yeah, like no, I mean, not not saying like if somebody confides in you their sin, that that you go tell other people. You should not right, do that. Right. Um, but if somebody confides their sin in you, and then you guys start trying to figure out how to work through it, and then they're unrepentant, they're not going to do anything about it. They don't care. Biblically, we're supposed to go get another person, come back to that person and say, hey, you need to stop doing this. And then if they don't stop doing it, is it three times you go back? You go get the I, elders? Yeah, I think I it's something like Eventually, that. Eventually, yeah. it's excommunication. Right, right. It's hold them as heathen. It's, right. It's, yeah. In hopes that they repent and come back. Basically, it, they have chosen not to fulfill their responsibility as a member of this fellowship. Exactly. And and once again, what I'm not saying here, like if somebody's like struggling with an addiction or something and confides in you, that doesn't mean that if they don't get whipped into shape immediately that they're out. It's it's a heart thing. Like is this does this person really want to change? Does this person really love Jesus? It's do they even care? Do they even care? Because yeah. if they don't care, they probably shouldn't be here. Right. <laughs> like, right. They're going to do more damage than Exactly. Good. And so, yeah, I think um, a lack of transparency. um, So good open sharing with individuals, that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, this is pulpit fodder. Exactly. This is what you preach from the pulpit. Right. But within the congregation, there is enough genuine closeness, enough intimacy with certain individuals that you can go deep with them. It's discipleship. Yeah. It's fellowship it's discipleship um you've got you've got your group or your few people that you can confide in and be real with um more so than that though i think the church needs to always be 
straightforward with its intentions and its its thoughts moving forward. Like, I, I don't think it's cool for the church to just, like, blindside people with, oh, hey, you know, nothing's ever going to be the same anymore uh, starting next week. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that's not good either. Like, it, it really just speak your heart. Um, you know, with with reason, of course, like sure. it, right. Sure. But um, every, everybody just needs to be real. That's what it boils down to. It's it's fake personalities, fake um, motives that cause problems. I I think there's another reason that people can feel that they've been uh, burned by the church. Uh, people feel hurt inside the church, and. Um, I think a lot of of what happens is that genuine Christians, people who are committed to following the Lord, they have a certain pattern that they've developed in their own lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have a certain way of doing things, certain things that have been important to them, and they desperately want you to feel those same things. And they begin to not necessarily say, but they begin to communicate to you that you should be behaving like me. Right. And if you don't, then I'm going to begin to do things either aggressively or passive-aggressively to try to get you to behave like me. And that's and just that's not fair. that's painful. It's painful and it's not fair to it's expect that fair. of other people. Because everybody's different. Exactly. We have different <laughs> things that are important to us, different... Uh, uh, ways of uh, right being ministered to by the Lord. Well, it's biblical. The, the, does the hand say to the foot that True. that you're not a part of the body because you aren't a hand? You know, like that. That's just it. Like you can't look at someone who is wired completely different than you. And I'm not saying like in. In regard to sin, I'm talking about just the way you live out your faith. Right. You can't look at somebody like Bob. I, I'll be honest. Bob is a more empathetic person than I am. <laughs> Me too. Than most people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he feels for other people deeply. I. It's genuine. It, it's it is so, so genuine, genuine, and it is very hard for me to immediately just like put myself in that person's shoes. I can't just like. <laughs> I, I don't have that gift. I don't have that. Right, right. And Bob has never once looked at me and said, Zach, you just need to be more like me. Like, Bob gets it. <laughs> Bob is like, this is how I am. This is how Randy is. This is how Jason is. Like, like everybody's different. Everybody has different gifts. They're wired differently. And it's because you're not all to function the same way. In the in the church, some people are prayer warriors. Some people are doers. Some people are thinkers. Some people, you know, it's it's all different. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know that's that's true with couples. It's true also inside the church. A couple has to learn uh, the different love languages. Uh, yeah. I know my wife. Uh, she likes her her love language is gifts. She gives and gives and gives. My love language is doing things for people. So, uh, uh, you know, once we figured that out, then uh, she could say, "Oh, okay, you didn't give me anything here, but uh, you did this for me, so you're saying you love me." And right, I'm saying 
Okay, so you didn't do what I really kind of wanted you to do, but you gave me this card and that you love me. Great. Same thing in the church. Um, they're just different ways right. of essentially being empathetic. Right. Right. No, that makes absolute sense. Um, everybody's just got their own. It's okay. It's like when you go on vacation with another family, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like worlds collide at that moment in time. <laughs> like, I hate it because the I'm a creature of, of habit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's the worst. Like, I'm a, I'm going to, I'm going to sleep in on vacation. Uh, we're not doing, nothing is planned. <laughs> Don't do that. And then, like, I go on vacation with some people that are, like, very structured and they're up at a certain time. And oh, let's have a, breakfast. They've got a schedule. Right. And it's like, <laughs> there's nothing wrrong with what they're doing. It's just different from what I'm used right. to. And so it kind of upsets the balance of things. But, I can't expect them to be like me just because we're all on vacation together. Well, it sounds from what you're saying that um, we should almost expect to be hurt inside the church from time to time. It's uh, so many different people coming together. Somebody is going to have a different expectation of me. And I should anticipate that. But, I mean, what's more Christian than that? I mean, Jesus straight up says, hey, pick up your cross and come and die because this is not going to be fun. Like, <laughs> like, you just need to be ready to just lay all expectations of what life should look like down and just come do what I say. And that's great, and I get it, and I understand it. It doesn't make it easier. I, yeah, it doesn't make it easier. <laughs> right, right. It still hurts. But we've got to constantly happens. remind ourselves of it, yeah. though, right? Like, I mean, that's the only way to yeah, get through right. it. Yeah, meditate on it, right? Meditate on God's word. Yeah, meditate on God's word. But there, there are probably other things that we can do. So, so what do we do when we feel that we've been hurt? Not, I should rephrase that. When we are hurt, right, inside the church, and, and what are some that, things though. that we can do? Let's come back around to when we feel hurt, though, too, because okay, that's that's good. another thing. Uh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll get we'll get to that. But what should we do when we are hurt? Yeah. I think you need to express your feelings with somebody in a healthy way. You need to go find um probably church leadership. Probably go find okay. a pastor. Uh if you have like a, a shepherding kind of pastor in your church, you should probably go talk with with them. Let them know what's going on. Go to the elder board if or maybe. Um well, certainly start with or, the pastor. If the pastor sure. can resolve it, right, great. right, right. Um, or, or no, if the pastor can help you resolve it, then that's great. You, right. That's all. The There's a pecking order. Go. There's yeah. definitely a pecking order. Yeah. Um, it's sort of the same thing as what we were saying a little bit ago. Like, if you've got a problem with a brother or sister, go on your own first. Right. Things don't get right. better immediately. Well, or if things don't get any better, then. Take that next step and then take that. But it, there, there shouldn't be like abrupt action. That shouldn't right. be a thing. Um, and then I think the other important thing is you shouldn't then blindside people by doing something crazy out of left field just because you're upset and never communicated it. Because that definitely happens too. Right, 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 um, right, right. And I think it's, it boils down to people being too afraid to talk to other people about their problems. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's... We, we all tend to avoid confrontation. 
we might as well admit it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's okay because the people who do not avoid confrontation, the people who enjoy confrontation, by and large are locked up behind bars. <laughs> <laughs> We're uh, headed there. Yeah, yeah. You know, everybody, it's not fun to sit down with somebody and say, uh, this hurt me. But there are things that we can do to learn how to do that. One of those is saying it like I just said it. Uh, in uh, our, our tendency is to go to somebody and say, you did this. That was wrong. And typically what that does, it creates in the other person a desire to defend themselves. Sure. So if we go to them and say, when you did this, I felt this way. It hurt me. It angered me. It disappointed me. It discouraged me. If we identify an emotion, then we're kind of putting the focus of the negativity back on ourselves, but saying it was when you did this that that happened inside me. That helps everybody kind of reflect on their own actions. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So that's one of the things that we can do. And another thing that I've learned to do over the years is to kind of deflect. After you hit somebody with that, uh, you kind of come back and say, what can we do about that? You know, that's... Let's think together about uh, what, what can we together do to avoid this. You, you kind of say, we're in this together. Uh, it, it's not you against me. It's us in a team trying to confront this thing that has come up between us. What can we do about that? How okay. do we treat that? So, so that's more on an individual basis, what we that just talked about. That is definitely much more an individual basis. What about when it's the church leadership when it is the church has offended you yeah well you know we can certainly go to the leadership of the church as leaders in the church one of the things that i try to avoid doing is saying well the church says because the church is made up of individuals right so i'll Frequently, I'll personify, well, I believe, or uh, I think, or if we have a written policy, well, you know, uh, the church council has said. Right, right. Um, and, and you express the policy. At that point, you've got to kind of help the person understand the policy, uh, understand the principle and then work through the hurt. Does that make sense? So, so this is speaking from the perspective of the church, though, to the person. Yeah. So what about what should that, that person do? I think the person, first of all, uh, the person should go straight to leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing you want to do is start a rumor mill go to other people hey what do you think about well we're not to gossip right christians are not to gossip that is straight up biblical and of course and people say i I don't gossip i'm telling you the (laughs) truth yeah (laughs) gossip is anything that has as its intent to injure another person right right even if it's the truth Right. Uh, but And I think you can inadvertently do it. 
Oh, yeah. But, but that's why you need to go straight to leadership. Yeah. You don't need to go talking to everybody else first. Right. You go to who the qualm is with first, and you talk with them. And so in this case, that's the church. Right. Let's go right. straight to the top. Let's go to the council. Let's go to the pastors. And it may be that as you talk to them, they say, oh, well, you've misunderstood. Let me help you understand. Great. You know, situation resolved. But they might say, no, you've understood very well. And what you believe is not what the church believes or what you want to do is not what the church wants to do. Right. And at that point, you've got a way, okay, this is what the church is trying to do. Can I live with that? Right. And so maybe that leads us to the next thing. I mean, like, that's the order that things should take place in. I think right. that's beneficial. But then it's, then it comes down to what happened what things could go wrong between the church and its people? Yeah. I think a shift in theology. And that happens. That happens. Uh, uh, I think it happens more in uh, churches that are affiliated with a particular denomination because sure. the denomination feels compelled to respond as a denomination and they don't always express the thoughts and feelings of individual churches. It's like when you watch a company release an apology. Yeah. Like like when they do their little like press apology kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, you didn't really cover everything, but all right. You know? <laughs> right, it's, right. It's, very, it's always very formal. It's always very legal the way it's written, you know. And, yeah, I think you're right. I, I don't think they always they always get it. So theology can change, and that's serious. Right. You've got you've to consider, okay, is this a crucial point of my theology, or is this a minor point? Right. And there are minor points in theology. Some people, though, I think it's hard for them to differentiate what's yeah. minor and what's crucial, and there's definitely, definitely a difference. Um, they might draw the line at a different spot that I would draw the line. Right. I I think in in that context alone, um, talking about you know what is crucial theology, I think the only thing you can do is look back at Orthodox Christianity. What has the vast majority of Christianity yeah. over the years considered to be the heart of truth? Does it deviate from that? Probably a problem. You know, in the early 1900s, there was a group of theologians that got together and they they talked about. Uh, what are the fundamentals of our theology? And what they were looking for was conservative theology. What are the core essentials? What do we really believe? They came to be known as the fundamentalists. Hmm. And since then, fundamentalist has become a four-letter word because people now tend to say, well, whatever I believe, that's crucial theology. Those are the fundamentals. Wasn't there? <laughs> wasn't there like a... A fundamentalist Christian movement, like tied to racism, pretty tightly. Probably. I'm trying to think. I may be getting this wrong, but I think I'm. I'm right. Uh, probably. It, every terminology, like all terminology, gets twisted sooner or later. Right. 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 But the original fundamentalists, I think they came up with twelve or thirteen core statements. Okay. And it was, it was just basic, basic theology. Right. Uh, Triune God. Right, Christ right. It was kind of the dead. Apostles' Creed. Yeah, yeah. 
Which is why we went over the Apostles' Which Creed. Which is why we went over the Apostles' Creed. If you go to a church and they they don't believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy, and the Spirit, Holy Spirit, that's yeah. pretty... Right. That's pretty crucial. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's... that's. And frankly, that's pretty much all there is. I think everything above and beyond that yeah. is... Uh, I, I would draw the line right at the Apostles' Creed. <laughs> right. I, now, I mean, you can get into some... It's really when they start messing with the Trinity. I mean, that's a big one. Um, or, or when they start taking things in the Bible and just expressly stating, like, no, we don't believe that. Yeah. Like, mm, no, the Bible is the authoritative word of God. Now, if you can make a, a rational explanation as why the context means something different, sure, that's, maybe. That's, and that's interpretation. That's, it, exactly. That's, that's not rejecting scripture as scripture. It's exactly. just saying that, hey, we understand it a little bit better because of these things. But even then, though, and I'm thinking of a few things that I won't bring up, but there are a few movements right now that are just blatantly lies about yeah. – and, and they're trying to use it contextually, but – if you dig deep enough, you'll realize no, this isn't this isn't real, and this is wrong. You know, so really, it, it kind of puts it back on you to say, okay, now I need to get to know my Bible a little bit better, and I right. need, and I need to figure out if this is right or not. Right, right. So, right. so theology is one sure. uh, thing that that uh, could change. Um, values could change in a church. Yeah, kind of like with what I experienced. Yeah, it got very focused on money and yep. power. Yep. Yep, and uh, that I I would struggle to chain it, stay in a church like that yeah, as well for sure. It, it would be it would be difficult for sure. Uh, mission changes in a church, and I don't necessarily think that when mission changes, that brings up an automatic "Hey, I'm out of here." But we do have to evaluate. Okay, can I? Can I embrace this mission? When we're part of a movement, when we're part of a church, and the church says this is now what's important to us, uh, each individual member has to answer the question, is that important to me? And if it's not, is it a big enough issue that I need to look somewhere else? Uh... I think rarely is it. Right. I'll agree with that. I'd almost add a little bit to the phrasing there. Um, it's Is the mission biblical? That's a big question. Yeah. Because if it is biblical and it's not important to you, you're wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> True. Like, True. That's it. Like. It, it, I, I guess it's 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 not a this is not a preference thing, and I understand that's not what you're saying. Right. It, it's about it, is this is this something I'm I can be behind? Is this biblical? Right. 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 For example, for example, if a church has been uh, involved in outreach programs and uh, uh, those outreach programs uh, are to lead to evangelism. And the church suddenly says, you know what, outreach for outreach's sake is okay. Uh, let's feed the hungry just to feed the hungry. Uh, what they want to believe is their business. Then I think as an individual I have to decide, okay, I get it, but is that important enough now for me to leave? Okay. I guess I'm trying to understand why you would want to leave over that. You know what I mean? That's it. 
that doesn't seem like a make or break situation. Yeah, yeah. For some people, I think it would. It might be. You're right. You're right. I don't know. Um, I've, that, that one's a little I've more case by case. People, yeah, I've heard people who have said, oh, our church stopped evangelizing. When, I don't know, in my mind, uh, the church stopped doing evangelism the way that you have traditionally done evangelism. There you Is go. the church really there you go. trying to not evangelize? So you're talking about like literally just walking up to people as the church and being like, hey, here, we're doing this nice thing for you. By the way, Jesus loves you. Right. Okay. Yeah. See, that always felt a little like sales pitchy to me. Like, yeah. um, I don't know that that is what the apostles were doing. You know, like I think they were just out going like, hey, by the way, we're doing all this nice stuff. That's yep. We're going to keep doing that. But also, (laughs) we worship Jesus, right? And that's why we do this. We're not trying to buy you, (laughs) right? We're doing this because it's right. Here's why we're doing it, right? Um, I think that's more the approach. You're not trying to like earn somebody. So yeah, I get you. That's the appropriate approach. All I'm saying is that I think sometimes people feel that the church has betrayed them because they stopped doing a particular program or stopped using a particular methodology. Okay, I follow. Yeah, I follow. So it's more of a preference thing at that point. I would say it's more of a preference thing, but some people it's that's. But this is the way to do it. <laughs> can you make an argument for it? Um, yeah. Um, are there any other reasons? Because I've got a kind of direction to take this in a minute, but I, I want to yeah, make sure we cover yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, we, we've, I mean, right now what we've kind of focused on the last couple of minutes are things when the church shifts mm-hmm. in a direction, either theological or values or methodology. There's another whole reason that people leave, and that's when they feel that the church has abused them, that the church has right. has uh, uh I, I was I attended a church at one point in time, and this was in a different continent, so it's nowhere local. But uh, the pastor began to preach, and as he would illustrate his sermon, he would use things that were going on in the congregation as negative examples. This the, the guy that I told you about <laughs> did the same thing. Okay, so yeah, and people began to feel abused. Yeah. They were literally afraid to go to church because uh, that week... Uh, you might get called out. You might get called out from the pulpit, but it would never be directly. But it would be enough that anybody that had the slightest clue of what was going on... People knew. Yeah. And, and, and it's kind of dragging other people along that once they find out what you've done, well, the pastor said that that's wrong, so you're... Right? right yeah, right, right. yeah. That's So people can feel abused. Um, I mean, and I would go on to say, like, that's not just feeling abused. I mean, you're abused. That is abuse. That's abuse. abuse. Yeah. 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 So and I do think that that's important to differentiate. I mean, like, some people feel abused over just about anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. Um, when things don't go their way, oh, it was so wrong what they did. But, but if you are genuinely, if you're being mistreated by your church, you need to get out. I still think you need to talk to the person doing the abuse. Yes, you do. Because it is abuse, it is probably wise 
to go to somebody else and have them go with you. That's fair. Yeah. That's absolutely fair to say. Um, but beyond that, if that's happening... I don't if, see a future for you in that church. Well, yeah. so, so I mean, it, if that person, though, doing that, um, if they then leave or something, you know, that's one thing. Maybe you could then figure things out from that point on. Um, but if things are just going to kind of stay the way they are, um, even if you guys kind of resolve it, um, maybe, yeah, maybe you just can't reconcile. Maybe you, maybe things are never going to be the same there, you know? that I get that. I totally get that. Yeah. And I think that that's an incredibly valid reason to find a new church home. Um, another reason, and this almost it's it's a it goes almost without saying. Another reason to find a new, new church home is when you move. <laughs> oh sure. And you might not move all that far, but it might be important to you to attend a church in your same school district, for example, well, or. Uh, that's much closer to your neighborhood. Well, I think it's only right that you do. Yeah. Um, really, you're just hurting everybody else when you don't. Yeah. Uh, Tim Mackey from the Bible Project, I never referenced them. Um, he was at a church called Door of Hope in Seattle, okay. Washington. Okay. And um, if you were not from their neighborhood, like if you were living an hour away, they would ask you to leave the church. Well. And it wasn't anything personal. It wasn't like a we don't want you here. It was you don't live here and like we really hold true to the need for discipleship what, yeah. and and community and you just can't contribute to that because you're never here. You're here one day a week, you know, and now that may be changing as uh, we become more uh Virtual involved in the digital uh, expression of church. I hope. I mean, we've got. Uh, frankly, we have people who attend New Hope. Uh, one lives in Kentucky. One lives in in uh, Wisconsin. Right. We've got. We have people who clearly identify as members of the church. Which that's awesome, but there are definitely limits to what they can sure. contribute. Sure. Um, and what they can be involved in. So I think right. it's a different kind of involvement yeah. at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? And as leadership in the church here, we're trying to figure out, okay, how do we truly engage with them? How do right. We, how do we help them? But that's kind of to a To not frontier. only feel part, but to be part of Absolutely. the church. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is incredibly important. Yeah. Um, yeah, if we could if we could build an online community where in which people are constantly engaged. Because, I mean, you can get a lot done through the internet, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's almost kind of a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah. That's going to be a fair. different podcast, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, okay. So I guess my question to you then would be this. We just named a whole bunch of reasons um, for why people might um, – how people could be burned by the church, how people might feel like they're being burned by the church. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. I don't know. Um but a lot of those are good reasons why maybe you should think about leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of them, but some of them. My question would be, though, like, when when shouldn't you leave the church? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, <laughs> 
all kinds of uh, stories from from the past come to mind. Uh, people who leave the church over a disagreement with uh, music style, mm-hmm. disagreement with a particular purchase you bought. A new carpet when what we really needed was a new uh, piano. Um, Those are methodology issues that I think are secondary. Yeah. Are you being fed? Are you – is the church engaging you? Are you finding a place in the church to use your gift? Those are the questions you need to be asking. Right. And you need to stick it out. You need to stick around. Methods rise and fall. A carpet comes and goes. A particular church, a, a particular color on the wall is unimportant. But people have left the church over issues like that. You certainly shouldn't leave the church for issues like that. I I think um, I think in today's world even. The way church is done, I think, is going to evolve. Um, I don't think it's going to look like what it's looked like in the past. I think that's going to die eventually. Um, Because what we do as church is a very Western thing. It's a very – it's a fairly recent thing. It's not been around for like thousands of years. It's just the way it's looked for a couple hundred years. And so that's what we think is the only way church can look like. Um, we've got you know buildings adorned with crosses and and all this and it's like but, but could it still be church like can church still be church if it's not taking place in a building like the one we're in now uh, if it doesn't have a, a steeple or a cross or or an altar or a stage or pews what if it's in somebody's house what if it's in uh, a store that you rent out once a week what if it's in can that still be church and because- if it is in somebody's house. What does the church service look like? Does that modify? I think it would have to. I, I think it should. But, but but I guess my point is, if if a change like that happened, I if everything's still biblical, I don't think that's a reason to leave a church. So we talked about the fundamentals. Um, what are the fundamentals of uh, being a church? The fundamentals of being a church are to preach the gospel, to make disciples, to know that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is the one true God, that he is the Son of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, that or the Holy Spirit, that are the Trinity. Um, it's fellowship with other believers. It is loving other people, going and pouring out into your community, going and and loving like Christ did, but while also... Being firm with the other people that believe like you, correcting one another, teaching one another, praising God. But none of that has anything to do with a location a or a look or right. anything. But right. we've we've really kind of hammered in this concept of how things have to look. And we get really upset when things don't look the way we're used to. And the awkward thing about that is if we talk about it, we're all very quick to say, oh, yeah. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. But when it starts happening, yeah. I mean, I understand everything that you just said. On Sunday morning, I still want to be in a location with other believers singing songs right. that I'm familiar with, listening to someone preach. 
We're and I want that perfect. sermon to speak to me. Right. To tell me how I need to change. Well, well, that's another thing, though. Like, we, <laughs> me and Jason were just talking about this. Like, we've put so much emphasis on the teacher, on the person who gets up and speaks on Sunday morning. That's just another part of it. That's just another person in the body. They're not like the person we should look to for all. Right. Like, right. They're good at teaching. They're good at getting a point across. They're, they're expressing a gift exactly. that God has given them. But they have no more authority. They have no yeah. more say than anyone else. They're held to a higher standard by God, a, a higher standard of judgment. Well, that's what James teaching. says, yeah. Right, because they're teaching the word. But other than that, it's a servant position. It's a servant. And so, like, yeah, we, we've really we, we've made this weird little thing. And so um, – you you mentioned that the church uh, will evolve. Oh yeah, that... it has throughout history. Sure. Uh, if if we were to go to a church uh, of two hundred years ago, I think we would feel very out of place, very awkward, very foreign, because it's evolved. What we have today yep. is different from what we had twenty and thirty years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Twenty or thirty years from now, it makes sense that. It'll be different still. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? Okay. So this is what I would wear on a Sunday, any given Sunday, right? Imagine walking into a church 150 years ago dressed like this. Yeah. You'd be asked to leave or you'd be shunned (laughs) for walking in wearing wearing commoner's clothes. You know what I mean? Like you were supposed to dress to the nines. But like once again, it's not biblical. You don't have to. You don't have to wear a suit to go to church. Like it's just something we do. I can still remember my mom just crying her eyes out when I was probably about six years old, and they bought me my first suit so I could wear it to church. Wow. <laughs> With all that said, though, those aren't reasons to leave the church. No, of course not. Church no. is gonna look different. Yeah. Get used to it. Yeah. It's gonna happen. Yeah. It's gonna happen. We got to lay down our preconceived notions about what we think church is, and that's that's the key, isn't it? Well, because it, it, it's all it's it's that consumer mentality. We right. can't go there. We can't. We're forbidden from it. the The Bible is not here to serve you. It's not. It, it if you do what it says, it will benefit you. But it it's not like. It's not this thing meant to like meet your beck and need, right? You know, like, right. Um, and I think we turn it into that often. I'm guilty of it. Yeah, I, but it, it's it's not it. So, Zach, what do we do? Somebody comes to us and says, "You know, I'm really struggling at church. I'm thinking about leaving. What should we do?" Ask them why. Okay, that's the first. Hear their story. Hear their story. Help them to work through the issues. Yeah. And um, and then I think you can point them in the next steps after that. I think like if, if it's a problem with another person in the church, if it's a problem with the, the church, then you need to point them to that individual or you need to point them to like the pastoral or elder or council, whatever team, um, and send them that direction. But they, they need to go straight to the source of the problem first. Yeah. If, like you said earlier, if it's an abuse situation, maybe you go with them or send someone with them. Send yeah. somebody strong in the faith with them. Um, I, 
you shouldn't condemn them unless, of course, like what they're saying is just absolutely terrible. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Um, condemnable. Condemnable. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, uh, I don't know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But, yeah, I mean, hear him out. Listen, just like you will with anybody over any problem. But the probably the worst thing you could do is just go right along with everything they're saying and just immediately hmm. just assume everything. Like, you need to see the whole picture first. That's how gossip gets started, to just hear it immediately and be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that. Like, if they're making accusations against a brother or sister or against the council, you need to investigate it. And, and yeah, Scripture speaks plainly when someone is actually accusing someone else. Two to three witnesses. Yep. If there are not two to three witnesses, you shouldn't dismiss it. But you also – innocent until proven guilty. Right. That's, that's biblical. I mean, our judicial system is based on that biblical principle – doesn't always work that way in our judicial yeah, system, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but that's how we're to handle it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, is there anything else we need to talk about here? <sighs> the, the church is really lame sometimes because church is made up of people. Yeah. That's what it boils down to. We, we were going on and on about how buildings don't matter and stuff. That's because the church isn't the building. The church is right. a group of people. Right. And people are And, and it's a group of fallen people exactly. sinful people. We don't live in eternity yet. Sin and death are not destroyed yet. <laughs> and so we got to deal with it for now. I just thought of an illustration. I don't know if this is uh, valid or not, but... Uh, you know, you go to a hospital to get well, mm-hmm. but when you go to a hospital, there are a lot of sick people there. Right. In fact, there are diseases that you can only contract in a hospital. MRSA and, by and large, staph infections, you get in hospitals. Really? Yeah, yeah. MRSA is... I don't know of a single case that developed outside of a hospital. It happens in, like, gyms. Oh, does it? Yeah. Like well, wait, wait, okay, so you've proven me wrong. But, but, but by and large, sure. uh, yeah. So a church is kind of like a hospital. Okay. It attracts broken people. When broken people get together, there's going to be hurt. Well, the, so to, to sum up what you've just said, I've always heard it said this way, that a church isn't a place for good people. It's a hospital for sinners. Yeah. yeah. And that's just it. You don't go to a hospital and expect to see a bunch of healthy people. Right. You know, like. Right. You certainly don't go expecting to see perfection. Right. We're getting better. That's what happens in hospitals, right? Yeah. But, but we're still getting better. And some people there, some people don't get better. And I think that's similar with, with churches. Some people are there for all the wrong reasons. And sometimes so, those people hurt people. We should expect. <laughs> Expect to be hurt. Expect to be hurt. Point. But also know that there is a proper biblical way of handling that. You're not just supposed to be flippant and just go off the rails and bail. You're not supposed to start gossip. You're not supposed to go to other people and stir up what, you know, okay, I can't believe what they did. You're to go to that that source, that person, that counsel, whatever. State your case. Let's figure it out. Um if things are 
if it's abusive or if it is unbiblical what's going on and you guys can't get it sorted out, get out of there. But other than that, stick it out because it's a family. And how's it ever going to get better if you leave? Yeah. You know, like we've got to work together to make the church better. And if you just go find whatever place you like better – same thing's going to happen there eventually. What are you going to do? In five years, you're not going to like that anymore. You're going to have to look for another place. You're, and that doesn't fulfill the, the the purpose of a church. And I guess the reason why I say it's a family, you would never do that to your family. Right. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're to find that group of people that we latch onto and say, this is my family. Jesus said, uh, who is my mother? Yeah. Who is my? Who are my brothers? Uh, whoever loves God is my brother and my sister and my mother. And so he's saying, oh, you people are my family. I've chosen you to be my family because you love God. Right. It does, and so he wouldn't bail on us. Why would we bail on each other, you know? Because we're sinful and broken. Right. But we need to get over it, that. Boom. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I think that's it, man. That was a good topic. I like that. Uh, well, it's kind of uh, kind of a bummer, but I like to appreciate the question. Appreciate Absolutely. the question. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, thank you guys for listening to Salty Saints podcast. If you've got questions, send them to questions at saltysaints.com, right? Yep. Or questions at become hope. Salty Saints at become hope.com. Salty Saints at become hope.com. I'm sorry. We have so many emails. Or uh, questions at become hope.com. Right. Um, if you're listening on a. Uh, podcast uh, resource give us a comment like follow whatever you can if you're on youtube subscribe leave us a comment say hey and uh yeah that's about it stay salty what do you do when the world around you is falling apart It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air, they're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.